Kirk. Aloha. You, who is this? Kirk, welcome to the jungle. Aloha. Mahalo. Ice cubes. Ice cubes. It was perfectly awesome enough to lay on the beach, read my Kindle, and then occasionally or periodically or often jump into the ocean and swim for a half hour. That was all I needed out of a Hawaii. Except you couldn't watch your goddamn game on the beach. No, I couldn't. You know, we, yeah, what happened there? Uh, blackout restrictions. There's, oh, why I thought that have, it was you couldn't get a connection. No, why no, no, it, no. Why would it be blacked out in Hawaii? I don't know. That's wrong. You sure it wasn't user error? Was, that was where the um, Seattle Pilots had their AAA team? Exactly. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't it be perfect to be on a AAA team in Hawaii? So is that like some long-standing contractual thing that uh, carried over where you couldn't watch the Giants game because of... Because of the Seattle of, Pilots? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the Giants have territorial rights. This is why the mm. Oakland A's, who lead the league in Hawaiians, by the way, can't go to Hawaii. Wait, how do you lead the league in Hawaiians? They well, have one two on members. Two members of their starting lineup this week were born in Maui. That seems awful racist. What does? Uh, uh, some sort of count, census count on how many Hawaiians are on each team. Yeah, who's counting? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not taking a census. I'm just making the claim that they lead These the league in Hawaii. American, they're American. We have the flying Hawaiian in Philadelphia, but the A's have two. You know what, Jim? Maybe you'll 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 agree with me here. The A's just have more of everything. Right, except for runs. How come you guys won't let them move to San Jose? Because what's territorial up, what's up rights. What's, what, you know Ter how they got the. You know how Ter they got the territorial rights? They stole them. Yeah. The A the A's gave them up because the Giants needed a new stadium. So and that's the they, same thing. And now, and now the situation is reversed, and you know the polite thing to do. Why don't we just give Hawaii back to the Hawaiians then? Why are they not building a stadium in downtown Oakland? Like every other team does. Uh, might have something to do with the economy in California and the fact that cities here have no money. Look, the Miami Marlins have a brand new stadium. They did it. Oakland could do it. Also, also, you know what? I live in the Bay Area. I much rather live in Oakland than in San Jose. That's no, not nobody. the question. That's not the question, Jim. Well, the Asian, no. The, the Asian be looking at, we're in Oakland. This is awesome. The we aren't, San Jose. Aren't, aren't going to base the future of the team on where you would live. Well, maybe mm. they should. It's not even something you're not even, you would be on Selig's commission right now if, if that were the case. He has a blue ribbon panel deciding what to do about the A's. And I last I heard, you weren't on it. Well... Unless you are, because they haven't really made the names public. <laughs> I can either I can either confirm nor deny. It's what are they going to be called? The San Jose A's? Don't they already have a triple A? They could be the California A's. They could be the San Jose's. How about the Bay Area A's? The Golden State A's. Oh God. Golden State A's. Uh, no, Jose I, A's. I actually applaud Miami for not having. I mean, I don't trust any team that has a full state in the front of their name. No, I don't either. Texas. Uh, yeah, exactly. They should be Arizona. Either, right. It should be Phoenix. Colorado. It should be it should be Denver. It should be I mean, 
Well, okay. So what if what what happens in 2079 when the Rhode Island team is inducted into the the MLB? Should they be? Should the they Providence, be the Providence? I think uh, at that point they want to be the, the Rhode Island Fighting Tigers or whatever yeah, the hell. No. no, 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 no. Too long. <laughs> the, the Rhode Island Ham Fighters. Yeah, no. I won't care because no. I'll be living in Hawaii. In what? What, what year did you say? Twenty seventy nine. Yes. Uh, this is. I a, hope we're living. This is an optimistic projection, but yeah. but still. Do I have to take human growth hormones to achieve this, Kirk? I think once we live in Hawaii, we'll be perfectly preserved. It will be no problem living that long. Once so we nobody have the aloha spirit. Nobody ever dies in Hawaii, is that what you're saying? And apparently, Let's according just to say everyone is a lot older than they look. It's 7-11 on Thursday, April 12, 2012, and that means it's time for another edition of the Media Loper Bebop. Tonight, Axl Rose doesn't want to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Does this make him a first ballot on the Asshole Hall of Fame? Then, is there a proper way to watch a TV show? Both Kirk Biglione and David Simon have opinions on that matter, though about different things. Also, the DOJ files its ebook antitrust suit, baseball season opens, and I fly home from Maui. All that, and what's in my mix on Media Loper Bebop episode 34. Aloha! Alo- Aloha! 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 Now, is depending on whether it's hello or goodbye, does that does that depend on where you place your accent? Does anybody know that? Is it aloha if it's high and aloha if it's goodbye? Is it something like that? Kirk? Anybody know? Kirk? We lost what Kirk. Was the question? <laughs> oh my god. Is aloha mean hello or goodbye, depending on where you place the emphasis? Sorry, this is that part of the podcast where I kind of go to my special place and don't really, you know, listen to it. Jim is normally dragging on with the introductions. <laughs> well, we're about to <clears throat> we're about to discuss Axel. I haven't introduced you guys yet. Oh, That's sorry. Okay. You know, there, there may be every time there may be new listeners Nothing to this podcast. Nothing's changed since last time. There's no reason to reintroduce us. Everything's changed. I am a completely different person. I'm also Jim Connolly, and I just flew in from Maui, and boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) And with me, as always, are Tim Gaskell. I just flew in from Hollywood. How are your arms? Uh, They're okay, actually. And Kirk Biglione. Still in Pasadena with one good leg. But better, right? Oh, yeah. I'm getting there. I'll be back around the All-Star break. So I have a question, Kirk. While you're on the DL, does that count against your 50-game suspension for steroids? Um, I could actually serve some time for Manny. Hey, are you taking steroids to heal? No, I opted not to. Because he didn't want to hit... My recovery is completely natural. And you know why? Because he wanted to make sure that if he was ever going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, there wouldn't be any steroid controversy. Unlike the... Did you like that joke? Did you like that segue? That segues right into Axl Rose, who this week said he does not want to be part of your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Tim. Because, because he tested positive for assholeness. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, earlier this year when they announced the inductees for the Hall of Fame, one of them was Guns N' Roses. And as everybody knows, they have been around since, what, the late 80s, Jim? Mid-80s. I think the 86th they had their first record. Okay. And, you know, they've they've <clears throat> obviously multi-multi-platinum band, huge for three or four records. Wait, really, fa- really, really fast, because someone's, someone's going to listen to that and go, oh, but Appetite for Destruction came out in 1987. Yes, but that an EP before that. All right, go on, Tim. That's true. Um, so Guns N' Roses, as people who have been following the story, if anybody still cares... Um, you know, they're Wait, still which, a which, were they, which which band were they again? They were, um, you know, famous songs that I would know. Paradise City, or Welcome that to the I Jungle. That that I would know. Sweet Child of Mine. Sweet okay, Child of Mine. No, how's that one go? No, we're not singing. Yeah, nice well, Jim, try, though. This is where, Jim, this is where Jim's going to drop in some music for us, just to uh, so we know. Yes, in case anybody in the Western has heard. Sweet I'll, 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 I'll go forward in time, listen to that, and come back. So anyway, Kirk's Kirk's protests notwithstanding, they were a huge band, and Jim and I actually were quite fond of the band. Yep. At their at their better moments, they were just a great rock and roll band, and cannot be denied. And <clears throat> but they had a very very checkered history, and that checkered history kind of bled into their uh, post uh, kind of recording and touring career into a, kind of a backbiting bitching back and forth over the years and then Slash kind of continued with music and did stuff all the time and was a guest guest artist on uh, many records and appeared with people and kept playing whereas Axel kind of went into seclusion and started working on Chinese Democracy which took at least 20 years to finally appear. But when, when it did woo! No, not really. Best album, not ever. But um, so Here's here's the thing, and so there was all this speculation leading up to the this weekend, I believe, when the actual ceremony takes place, and the 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 normal trend is that a band gets back together for better or worse, and they'll they'll maybe play a few songs or at least appear and be there. It it you know it works for most most bands. It's been reasonably successful, and the one. <clears throat> Uh, the the speculation leading up to this for weeks and weeks was will Axel and Slash get their shit together and actually talk? Will they play together? Will they appear together? What will actually happen? Well, this week uh, Axel Rose yesterday sent a letter to the LA Times and he basically said it ain't going to happen this year. It ain't going to ever happen. And um, here's where it gets a bit weird. He said, I don't even want to be. I don't even want my name in the Hall of Fame with this band because... Well, this incarnation of the band, right? Because he still tours with Guns N' Roses, quote-unquote. Yeah, he's still touring with, with Guns N' Roses, and that's what he considers to be the band, I guess, um, which, you know, would not exist if the previous version didn't exist, let's be honest. Yep. 
and you know it wouldn't be it's it's doing reasonably well the shows are supposed to be very good from from the what the comments that i read about the shows but that what he's doing is he's attempting to basically whitewash history and it's very kind of like a Pravda, the old Soviet newspaper, you know, where they would uh, change history to suit the suit the political will of the government, and you know, so Chinese he's democracy, Chinese that's democracy. Chi- that's how that's exactly. how Chinese democracy works. Exactly, and so he's basically saying, no, you can you can have guns, and you know, I, I want nothing to do with the induction. I don't want my name associated. I don't want somebody accepting on my behalf. None of that, and it's a huge kiss off to the others. Slash kind of predicted it. He said, you know, he said basically that Axel hates his guts, and there's a lot of reasons why. Who knows? But the thing is, is as many a as many a commenter has noted on message boards and comments following articles all over the globe, why can't Axel just take a hit for the team and you know make millions of people happy? So instead of just being such an egotistical uh, kind of twit here. I, have, so he, I, I, I can explain his action. Okay. Okay. You explain. And, and after I explain why he's doing what he's doing, I have a solution that will make everyone happy. Like a win-win-win. Oh, good. Let's go. <laughs> okay. First of all, it's obvious why he doesn't want to be in the Hall of Fame. After what they did to his dad with the lifetime ban, he just doesn't want to be part of the institution. Oh, Pete Rose. Yeah, you're right. So here's 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 the alternate solution, and I think this will work. Induct mm. Axl Rose into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. And then Pete Rose can go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and everyone will be happy. So, so I think betting on your own team mm. to win is a definitely a rock and roll thing to do. So I exactly. agree. There I think Pete Rose into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame makes a lot of sense. But Axel is all hit, no field. So that wouldn't make any sense at all. He's a DH. Hmm. I don't know if Edgar Martinez can't get in. I don't think Axel Rose should get in. I, I think it's a good idea. I just don't know if the respective halls will um, agree. That's How come worry. we don't? We're going to need to get uh, like a hotline to Bud Selig now that baseball is starting because it seems like consistently for the next few months we're going to run into conversation where Bud Selig is the only one that can give us the answer. Like tonight, we could get him on and ask him if this is something we could make work. Mm. Right. Why don't you do that, Jim? Um, get a hotline to Bud Selig. Hotline to Bud Selig. <laughs> I will. Uh... I will. I will go through the back chain. Yeah, I'll see if I can get Bud get Bud on. Pete Pete Rose could play with with Guns and Roses. I think mm. Pete Rose is too busy being in Vegas, though. Yeah, if you get him away That's from where the they're uh, doing the thing, right? It's in Vegas, isn't it? Is it? No, isn't it usually in Cleveland? Cleveland. Yes, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. Is that where they do they'll the move, induction? They'll as move well? it to Vegas eventually. <laughs> Well, they should. It'd be a lot easier for us to get to. When they move it to Vegas, it will it will be called the Hard Rock Cafe Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It will be branded by that time. Yes. And that will be in 2079 when Providence has a baseball team in Rhode Island. That's that's just going to be that's going to so dilute the league with talent. You know, it's going to really that's not going to be good. If Providence gets their own team, it's all wrong. Sorry. So, Tim, the, I think you had brought up an interesting point when we were talking about this earlier via email, is that 
can can they just induct him and or will, they will just induct him? So the question is, can you just be inducted into a Hall of Fame that you don't want to be inducted into? Well, that's the thing. Basically, <clears throat> if you look at it in the sense that it's a historical thing, you know, the the band Guns and Roses, that original band, that is a historical thing. You can't say, well, we didn't exist, you know, whatever. I think it. I think it's kind of. You, I think for for the sake of for, for the newsworthiness of it and and the the truthfulness the truthiness of it all, you have to include them. It doesn't make any sense to like say, okay, well, here are these four other guys, but uh, there's no singer. Uh, they were called Guns and Roses, and they had a singer, but we don't know what the name of the guy is because he won't let us. I I have a feeling it's going to be interesting to see what actually transpires at the event. I, th- I have a feeling something's going to have to be said or you know i feel like axel set him up set himself up for a bit of ridicule who knows you know which would obviously not help the situation but he's fucked it up so much anyway that what could possibly go worse well here's another thing too if he's not part of it they can only call it guns in right because he's got the name rose yeah yeah though technically when uh, tracy guns left the band they still called it guns and roses um, is that true? That Did that was named after the two of them? Yeah. Is that a true story? Or are you making that up? I I'm going to say that it's true because, but if Axel wants to come on our podcast <laughs> and tell me it's with, false with Bud, Selig. with Bud Selig and and deny, then he's more than willing. But or then we're more than willing to have him. But otherwise, yes, that's a true story. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, you know there have been other uh, there have been other success stories at the hall, and there have been other failures. I think you know, I think um, the Van Halen one didn't go so well. Um, only apparently only Sammy Hager and uh, and uh, Michael Anthony were there. <laughs> the two well, people who are no longer in the band. Yeah, I mean, it's so so. What if the band? You know what? It, I don't. This whole let's get the band together to jam on jam poorly on one of their songs, maybe one of their idol songs or whatever, and then bring on uh, you know Bruce Springsteen to play with them or whatever. Who cares? Yeah, it, yeah. Ultimately, who cares? I mean, it's a fun event. I mean, I've watched some of these, and the oftentimes it is a great you know. There's good camaraderie. There's good fun. It's just music playing together. It's it's. <clears throat> you just wish can could people just put aside their differences and just play, you know, and. <clears throat> kind of relive the the magic that they once have, or if not relive it, at least give people, you know, kind of a sense of continuity and connection to the band they once loved, or maybe still do. And it's for the, for the for the folks, for the people, for the kids. They should do it for, for the, the kids. What the about kids. the children? The kids exactly. Don't give a damn. The kids don't give a damn. Well, the kids I don't, don't give either. a damn because yeah. You're too busy listening to your your Rihanna and your hip hop. That's why. Yeah, that's right, Kirk. You your damn your damn boogie music. Your Frank Ocean and your your Odd Future. How is that Odd, odd future, future, Kirk? It's it's not bad, actually. Oh, sorry. Meanwhile, Mad Men has started, and I'm watching it in glorious high definition on my AMC cable. But not all of us are so lucky and at least for one of us it's kind of uh, diminishing the experience is that correct kirk yeah so i guess my first question is for tim do you not watch mad men I did watch mad men i'd be watching it on netflix because i'm so far behind so okay. i'm not watching the current season so i i don't have it 
Yeah. So everyone, when when Mad Men came back, you know, there was all this talk about how much has changed in 17 months. It was a very long break. And the thing that changed for me is my complete intolerance. I've developed a complete intolerance for SD programming. And especially after getting all of those episodes in HD streaming Netflix, seeing the the premiere episode on AMC on DirecTV was just, it like burned my eyes. It was so <laughs> bad. Because not only do they do this SD left-right letterboxing for AMC, but they do the show itself as letterboxed, so by the time it's on your screen, you got less than 60% of the screen with the actual programming. And then it's so fuzzy. It was just, it was horror. And then the sound's not good either. It seems to me that a, a network like AMC should be available in HD on DirecTV. Anyway, I dig Well, have you, so you gone on the boards and checked out why this is happening? That's just the way AMC that's, is. That's the agreement DirecTV has with AMC. Uh, DirecTV, I'm guessing, has only allocated so much satellite space, which, you know, uh, HD requires more satellite space. And no one ever expected AMC to get Mad Men or Walking Dead, but now. Or Breaking got Bad. And we can get those things in HD on Netflix. We just can't watch them in first run on. In HD well, on DirecTV. Here's what I don't understand. DirecTV, for the longest time, prided themselves on being the leading carrier of HD programming. They had they had by far the most. Is that no longer the case? Well, no. This is just a weird... I think this is an anomaly. Yeah. Because it just so happens that this network that no one expected to... I mean, that, I think if you break out total minutes of HD and total channels of HD, they probably are. It, it's just that... This particular network and also BBC America are not in HD on DirecTV. So what I'm doing with Mad Men and what I probably will do with the next season of uh, Doctor Who is the season pass at iTunes and watching it on Apple TV. So here's a situation where, because everyone's talking about what's going to happen to cable and satellite when consumers start buying content and cut the cord. Mm -hmm. Like me. I'm like now going it's a situation where I'm, I'm paying extra for programming. I'm already paying for to get it in a reasonable quality. Um, at some point I begin doing the math and figuring out what's the best way to acquire content. So this is sort of a, a, a moment where I'm seriously thinking about uh, how much longer uh, I'm, we're going to be committed to this sort of traditional long-term relationship with a video program provider like cable or satellite or whatever. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, as we've discussed before, yeah, mine's at, mine's at a minimal level anyway. So, Well, I mean... And, and, and do, you, do, you, do you buy programming from iTunes? Uh, we have season pass of something. We have on occasion, not a lot, but I tend to rely. On, there's so much stuff that I'm behind on anyway. I can catch up on Netflix and Hulu, so that kind of keeps me going. But yeah, I have no problem with getting some content on iTunes. I've done it for like stuff I've missed and I couldn't get, or you know, a 
I'll, I'll oftentimes I'll get their pilots that they put up for free so you can watch them, that kind of thing, yeah. Well, BBC America is the same thing with us. We don't get it in, in HD, but and and I think B- that may be BBC America everywhere. Yeah, and it does, I think that's a standard. That's a conversion and, issue, probably. And and especially in the early seasons of Doctor Who, when we were fine, when when they were cutting, you know, five or six minutes out of every episode, we didn't even watch it on BBC America. We just went to other sources to watch it because. Oh, that's okay. So that's the other thing is I could have gone to other sources, but with Apple TV, right. And buying from any iDevice, and it's only $32 or whatever, okay. I know I'll be able to watch it in HD uh, on Netflix in six months or however long it takes. There's that window. But I know I'm going to watch it now. First run, I don't want to, I want to, my first viewing of the episode should be in HD. Yeah. I mean, in 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 in, in twenty twelve, it to watch something in SD, it, it is ridiculous. Well, ma- to to watch a major like new production, a new show, right? Yeah, all new programming should be. I mean, so I wanted to bring up uh, another another thing about watching TV shows and 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 is it last? I don't know if you guys did you guys see the comments that David Simon uh, made about people watching The Wire wrong. In the wrong, the wrong way. No, I didn't see the comments because I wanted to be surprised how you can watch it in the wrong way, which I'm assuming is out of order. Well, no, it's actually well. There's a couple of things. There, there, there are two big points. One is the um, for shows like The Wire or Treme or uh, or Luck, where it, the the writer or the, is telling one big long story. He was kind of saying the the episode by episode recap review culture is just too much. There's just no way to to look at a single episode of a TV show properly when it's part of an overall whole. So that's one that's one mm-hmm. argument, and there's 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 yes and no on that. I mean, and then the second was that during um, March Madness, Vulture uh, New York Magazine's uh, website did. Wire bracketology, where basically you get to choose your favorite characters, and they did brackets every like every day for a couple of weeks or whatever. So it was choose your favorite wire character, right? That type of thing. And he mm-hmm. felt like that was kind of diminishing the show, which it does. But but you know something, it's out there. It, see, here's the thing: is like if you want your show to be seen, then. Once it's out there, it's kind of out of your control. And if someone who has is on the fence about the wire sees uh, another round of culture-wide discussion about it, that might that might get them to try it. Probably will if they haven't. It might be the the push over the ledge, and then that's one more interested viewer in your TV show. Yeah, no, I know you. It, it's a point, but <clears throat> um, creators and. You know, they're they tend to be very possessive and very um, not possessed, not just possessive, but just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Possessive is good. Well, they yeah, I mean, well, not not possessive in the sense that uh, you know they own it and they don't want anybody to have it or whatever, but possessive in the in the creative sense that um, you know you you only 
you don't want any, you don't, you don't want to they don't want to be misinterpreted distorted. especially if, if they felt like they had a thing they wanted to say they don't want yeah. they don't want the conversation to be directed away from the thing especially in the case of Simon who who definitely has a point of view and definitely has things he wants to say about the culture in both right. in both the wire and Treme. yeah you gotta you gotta accept it as it comes you gotta accept the the critiques the love whatever um, you know there are obviously I, I get the kind of the 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 critiquing culture kind of gets on my nerves a bit. You know, the people who break down every episode and kind of try to find, you know, all the missing clues or whatever. And, you know, if you go to a TV television without pity kind of site or whatever and read all the breakdowns and, you know, it can get a bit obsessive and it can take away from the actual enjoyment. I think, if you, you know, this stuff is meant to be, you know, it's week to week. It's not meant to be, studied in too much depth if you do a lot of these things they do kind of break down a little bit so it's just meant to entertain and kind of move you on to the next week kind of give you impetus to watch the next episode that's really you know the key to any television but i would argue that the that the it's not a coincidence that the rise of quality television in the last decade coincided with the rise of the internet and the internet discussion culture around quality television like the two things kind of helped each other well, I think what it what it what it also meant was that people could connect with each other, and um, you know, people in the ind- I mean, people in the industry could, or people could get get into the industry. There was more there was more uh, avenues. There were more avenues opening up to get in. And what we're you know we're finding there are a lot of talented writers out there, a lot of talented actors, etc. There, it's kind of like you know you you widen the 405 and it fills up with more cars. It's the same kind of thing with the entertainment world. You know you 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 widen the the avenues a bit and you find it gets filled up with a lot of good with a lot of good stuff. And I think that's what happened to TV. You know when there were only three networks, it was hard to you know it was hard to m- make a, a successful TV show. But now I'm not saying it's easy to make a TV, t- successful TV show, but I think the odds uh, of you finding a, a niche for it or a place for it are much better now. When was it we talked about the uh, the possibility the DOJ would find an uh, would find would file an antitrust suit against the big five publishers and Apple? Is that just last podcast or two podcasts ago? It Anyone? Was probably two ago. Wasn't been it? so long. The, so the gap between episodes has been so long. It's hard to tell. Because we strive to make slowed down. We strive to make every quality, every podcast quality. So if it takes a couple of weeks to to massage it and get it just right, that's what happens. It, it sometimes it has to take a trip to Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> so Which the is, it's done twice. So uh, I guess today the DOJ filed their antitrust suit, Kirk, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday they filed. Uh, Lawsuit against the five of the big six, accusing them of collusion to fix pricing of ebooks, and um, they've settled with two or three already. Yeah, and so and the terms of the settlement have already been released. But Penguin and Macmillan are fighting because it's a cause. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile. The states have piled on, and there are 16 states filing lawsuits. And um, the two or the the three that have settled apparently are settling with the states, and they're already talking about that being a 51 million dollar settlement. This whole price 
agency model price the pricing aspect of agency model that we have been saying for two years now is going to be a really bad thing for publishing is now going to crush some companies uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with a lawsuit but we're not quite sure what's going to happen we think ebook pricing might come down for consumers uh, but Ultimately, uh, yesterday was the "I told you so" moment for publishers. Was it's interesting in the in the settle in the settlement with the three companies that settled. The government specifically laid out the areas where it's okay for uh, the publishers to conspire together, and it was things like technology for enhanced eBooks, uh, standards for eBooks, and security, which would be. DRM. And the thing that I was saying when they got together to agree to the agency model is that if you're going to go up against Amazon and try to, you know, lay down the law over one issue, it should be over standards and interoperability and compatibility. It shouldn't be over something like pricing, which will work itself out. Now being told that they can't collude together to fix prices, but they're allowed to work together to fix standards, which is probably what they should have done two years ago. Does this give Amazon too much power? Oh, no one can give or take away power from Amazon. Amazon, Amazon right now is unstoppable. They create their own power. So, but but o- but only in the world of eBooks, right? When you when you go, they're the big bad wolf in the forest of, of publishing. But when you go to a larger forest, they're tiny, because every other form of media is pretty much Apple is dominating. And it's funny that Apple is the company that they worked with to pull this deal off two years ago. Amazon is an upstart in the world of other forms of media. I mean, they're fighting to get. A noticeable share of streaming video, for example. Right. What do you think is the long-term outlook of, say, a total? I mean, if this if this went through, I mean, what what's the outlook of, say, um, going even further and kind of making up making the um, all the devices non-DRM? So basically, these the books have to be open sort open the. Uh, has to be a decision that the publishers ultimately make, right? And uh, I think I think that what they're going to end up doing, since they're never going to get together on a standard form of copy protection, and they're certainly not going to push that on Apple and Amazon, is that they'll come to the same conclusion that the the record labels came to, which is that DRM is a barrier to an open marketplace for digital content, and that if you want to see your content sold not rental, but when we're talking about the sales model where a consumer buys something to own it. Right. Now, because there's just not, that's the only way you get interoperability. And so the other thing that ties into this is, I think since our last, uh, since we're talking about DRM, since our last podcast, Pottermore launched. The ebook portion of Pottermore launched, and they're tied into uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Kobo, um, Sony, and um, Amazon, like Apple. Uh, 
and you go through Pottermore, create your account, which apparently there's going to be some kind of 3D virtual reality Harry Potter world coming in the future. Mm. Uh, but the ebook portion, you buy any of the all all of the ebooks that are available for the first time ever on ebook. They've only been available as pirated editions before now, and they're widely available as pirated editions. Now people have the opportunity to buy them, and uh, doing it without DRM. Plus, this into any device you want. So when you create your Pottermore account, it really is a model for how this should work. When you create your Pottermore account, and you've got an option where they show icons for all the major retailers except for Apple hmm. and Kobo, and you press the select the the retailer with the device you want to send to Barnes and Noble. And it's like it's like authorizing an app to use your Twitter account. You just do a simple login, no other thing. You don't have to whitelist anything. And then they send the ebook to your account. It shows up on your device. They can do that. Well, it's turning out that on the other end, Amazon at least is wrapping it in DRM, but only on the device. You can still download the DRM-free version directly if you want to do a manual sideload. And that's the problem. Most consumers, you talk about general markets. I'm only getting about half. Downloading and then moving to the device manually just sucks. You want to access. Kirk's cutting out on for yeah. me. Is it for you? Yeah, he's cut out. Sorry, can you do the back half of that again, Kirk? So, um, yeah, so the um, I was saying something about sideloading being mm -hmm. bad downloading and then moving to your device. So being able to do this in the cloud with different vendors, uh, DRM free is a thing that you can do and still have DRM on the individual devices. So it's sort of a hybrid thing. But the major thing is it's like the biggest series of books, the biggest books in the world, and those are DRM free. So getting back to Tim's question is, do you think it's going to go DRM free? It's not going to be something that's mandated. It's not something the government's going to say, but I think it's something that within the next couple of years, publishers are going to realize that they need to be DRM free to really see an open anything something resembling an open marketplace. This is our last long embrace, feathers soft against your face. You were ill positioned in the wings. And I can't help but watch you in the shallow breaths between against the backdrop of the fires flickering. And now it's time for In The Mix. This week, me. And it's actually been a while since I've really hardcore listened to my mix because I don't know if you knew this or not, but I was in Maui. Oh, did you have a good time? We did take an iPod, but it was more just like the, a, a larger thing than just my current mix. But had we been able to do this podcast three weeks ago, then here's what I would have listened would have would have listened would have listed good god strawberry by the band wussy have you heard this no uh the guy was in the band called the ass ponies they're from they're from cincinnati tim and a woman 
and then of course a couple of backing people and they do every style of indie rock you can possibly imagine and it is just fantastic can they sing they sing separately they sing together and they sing wonderfully each way in tune in tune so it's kind of a uh, like cloud nothings <laughs> you didn't like the cloud nothing so much I, I think musically they're amazing um and some of their songs are really really good but the guy's voice annoys me a bit so that leads me into the, that leads me into my next uh my next choice which is uh, punk rock is back guys did you know that yeah. it never went away exactly in 2012 punk rock is like folk music it's kind of a forum that um, you know, people either a lot of people think you have to do a certain way, but the only way you ever make any progress on it is to take the uh, the form and spin it your own way. And I think the Cloud Nothings album a couple months ago did that. Another album that's doing that is the album Open Your Heart by the band The Men, and it's just more they they call, they harken all the way back to MC5, but there's also like a song that's got MC5 MC5 chord changes and, and and singing, and then all of a sudden a guitar solo that could have been done by Thin Lizzy, the guys from Thin Lizzy or Richie Blackmore just kind of shows up in the middle of it. It's really awesome. I think that, that maybe after a couple of years of boring Fleet Foxes, Bon, bon Iver, indie folk stuff, that we're maybe going into a little bit more of a, a, a nice hard rock phase again. Good. Also, not a surf. The stars are indifferent to astronomy. One of the best power pop albums in, I say, I don't know, I say the last five five years probably. I, I we got, we got kind of indifferent reviews, and I think that's because Not a Surf is a band that's known for like one hit single from like the late '90s, but they've been releasing a bunch of great pop rec, power pop records since then, and this one might be their best one yet. And finally, I'm going to sneak one more in. Uh, the most recent album by Imperial Teen. Uh, they're another band that every few years comes out and just releases a great, uh, well, not with so much power pop, just straight out bouncy, almost B-52s slash breeders type pop. And their most recent one, Feel the Sound, might be their best album since their debut. No matter what you say, no matter what you say, no matter what you Just one more thing. One more thing. Tim, 
Uh, can I talk a minute for American Idol? Uh, <laughs> How about American Idiot? Ooh. Uh, last weekend, my brother, my wife, and my oldest son, we went to go see American Idiot at the Amundsen Theater in downtown L.A., and I have to say it was it was a lot of fun. We really, really, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it holds, to, it holds together really well. The songs, the song cycle, the, the story and everything. It's um, it's a bit grim at times, but the songs kind of elevated above, you know, what's going on on stage. And there is, you know, you know, there's an argument that this kind of music is, you know, part of the great American songbook, you know, of today, because these, these songs, these, these are songs that you come out of the theater kind of singing along to. Whereas as much as I love seeing a Stephen Sondheim play, it's hard to kind of come out singing the songs that you've just seen. Whereas this, you, you know, you, you did, you listen to it before you hear it, you see it, you come out listening to it some more. It's uh, it's a good show. Let's check it out. I think it's still on for another week or so. Awesome. One more thing, Kirk, so I'm reading uh, Mirage by Matt Ruff, and uh, I'm in the final 9%, so I can't really comment on the exciting ending, uh, but it's an interesting book that I highly recommend. It's sort of a post-9-11 Man in the High Castle, if that makes any sense to you. Man in the High Castle was Philip K. Dick's alternate history about a world where the Axis won World War II and the uh, oh. side lost. Very famous book. This is um, world, a parallel universe, alternate history where the uh, 9-11 doesn't happen. 11-9 happens, and the superpower is the United Arab States, who are you know, the world's biggest democracy. Mm. And the U.S. is just a collection of nation states, uh, each dominated by a separate weird sect of Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And well, 11, it's not far off. On 11-9, Christian terrorists uh, attack uh, in Baghdad. They knock down two skyscrapers, and uh, the war on terror begins. But wow. it's Muslims uh, trying to prevent Christians from committing terrorist acts. And the book centers around the relationship between stories of and the activities of three uh Iraqi homeland security agents who are trying to break up terror plots and get to this or get to the bottom of this thing they uncover where certain people are um, reporting flashes of an alternate parallel universe and they're getting artifacts from a parallel universe where 11-9 didn't happen, but it was 9-11 and Muslims terrorists attacked the United States who is the superpower and no one in, in the books universe can believe anything like that would ever be a possibility. <laughs> so, Mirage, Matt Ruff. I highly recommend it. Sounds to me like another attack on Christianity, Kirk. One more thing. So, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I was in Maui this last week. Oh, how was it? Um, it was awesome. But, cool. this morning I had my welcome back, you're in LA moment. Uh, Rox and I were shopping at the Burbank Handy Market, and it was like the it, even though it was a Thursday, the parking lot was full. It didn't make any sense. The parking lot was full, and as we were going up to the meat counter to get some some food, some 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 meat, <laughs> there was a 
bunch of camera people and film people and sound people walking around the aisles filming what I would call a not pretty enough for regular television nor smart enough for a real job woman and her surfer wannabe douchebag companion while they were shopping for what was obviously a reality show. And every, they were annoying all the customers and the butcher even told them to get the hell away from the meat counter because they were blocking access to the real customers. And all I thought was, well, I can pretend to still be in Maui right now, but nope, this is as LA as it gets. Jim, why do you hate the Kardashians so much? Because they contribute nothing, and they were already rich, and now they're richer. That could have been them. And of course, as we were walking out, some poor hapless PA was waving his clipboard saying, Hey, would you guys mind signing this release? And all I could say was, Oh yeah, I would totally mind. You should sign it, but then you add a, a clause at the bottom that you get uh, a revenue share. Ah. That's what I always do. And how many reality shows have you actually been in with where you've got a revenue share? Um, let's see. Uh, hang on. Uh, zero. Ah. Not even part. Of, not even bringing up the Big Leonies. Nope. Kirk. He's gone. What is the topic? <laughs> Your reality show, bringing up the Big Leonies. Yeah. Jim. Jim, we should start the podcast all over and pretend the like parallel universe. <laughs> Let's start all over again. It's it's seven fifty six. You're listening to. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to be in the parallel universe. You see, I'm I'm the host. So. <laughs> you Go can ahead, do nuts. You can do the closing. We can we can switch over to the parallel universe for the closing. Go ahead. This is the closing of Media Loper Bebop number thirty four. Thirty four. I'm your not host Tim Gaskell, and joining me. This week was Jim Connolly. Mahalo. Ice Cubes. Kirk Biglione. Supposed to say Mahalo, and I'm supposed to say Ice Cubes. Oh, Mahalo. Mahalo. Ice Cubes. No, Jim was supposed to say Mahalo. Mahalo. Ice Cubes. All right, do it again. Is this take two? Yes. Where was I? Um... (laughs) Since we're doing take two, we ought to like back up even further to about and that, the 15-minute mark. And that completes Media Loper. And that completes Media Loper Bebop number thirty-four. I've been your not host, Tim Gaskell, and joining me this week, as ever, was Jim Connolly. Mahalo. Ice cubes. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> and Kirk Biglioni. Ice cubes. Join us next week, same bat time, same bat channel, or thereabouts, on Media Loper Bebop number 35.